welcome to Galaxy Forum. I'm your host, Melissa Kaplan, and we're here to explore the creativity happening in the LCC galaxy, in our classrooms and on campus, and connecting the work of our stars with our community. We're talking today about Community Reads, the programs that bring a community together to read and experience one book. I'm so pleased to welcome my guests, Laura Orta and Linda Toomey. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, just quick, by way of quick introductions, uh, Laura is the director of LCC's Center for Engaged Inclusion and coordinator of LCC's Beyond the Book program, and they are our Jedi. I just, I have to share that. They are our Jedi guide to premier and bespoke training and education in justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, thus Jedi. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Linda Toomey is Director of Marketing and Business Development for McLaren Greater Lansing. Her department facilitates educational programs and promotes health-based seminars for the community called HealthWise. And she's a former LCC employee. She was with LCC Marketing. So it's great to have you back here, Linda. Thank you. And thank you, Laura, for joining us. I'm really, this, this, uh, the focus on community reads is near and dear to my heart. It's, it's something I've been in, involved with at LCC for at least a dozen years. Um, and community reads are often called one book, one community programs. They exist around the globe from library and school initiatives. Sometimes they're initiated, I've read, by mayor's offices to so many other organizations that find value in connection over a common read. It is a powerful experience. So many people reading the same book, sharing ideas and reactions, coming together to learn and understand through a particular story. And so the inspiration for this conversation and, and bringing you two together with me came last spring when, Linda, you happened to let me know, and I don't remember, was it on Facebook maybe? It was, you reached out somehow and you said that one of LCC's one books had inspired you to uh, propose a specific art project. This was a book you had read when you were here at LCC, but now working at McLaren, you were inspired by this this book to propose this art project at the new McLaren Hospital, and it just blew me away that that read, you know, ten years ago, is having this that that the impact of that book continued to have an impact on you, and now it results in something that just ripples throughout the community. So I'm going to let you talk about that in just a minute, but first, Laura, I'd love to start talking uh, with talking about. LCC's Community Read program, which is now called Beyond the Book. And, and can you tell us a little about its mission and how it evolved from one book to Beyond the Book? Absolutely. So LCC had started the one book program and we're doing fantastic things with it. When our current chief diversity officer started, Dr. Tanya Bailey, she saw that one book wasn't really enough to dig into all the different ideas around justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And so she said, let's do four books. She That's a big change. It really was. It really was. I still hear a lot of people asking me, where did the one book program go? And that's okay, because then I can show them, look, we're doing all these different. So now it's based around themes, um, gender and identity, cultural affairs, um, 
race issues, all different themes. There's four themes exactly. And last year we had some great books, but they were heavy books. We read Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent. We read Educated. We read Mind and Matter by John Urschel, a former football player. And those books were great conversation starters. But the feedback from those books was hey, let's find something that's a little more relevant to students, but still exploring these topics. Mm -hmm. So this year we're running it as two books that we're reading from the four themes. And then the other two themes, I've put out a call and I'll do it again in August when everybody's back, to faculty, to staff, if you have written or presented or taught on any of these topics, once a month, we're going to have you come talk to CE at CEI, and, and which is the Center for Engaged Inclusion, and come in and cover what you have done. I know we've got a great book, Prisons, by one of our individuals, Rob Edwards. Rob Edwards, yep. yes. And um, that would be fantastic for them to have a platform to come in and share their works with everyone and get individuals interested in it. So this year, we're doing How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, and we're pushing that out into the Lansing community and Great. we're hoping to get all of Lansing community that wants to be a part join in in that reading. So it's a community read again. And then the other book is Gender Queer, a Memoir, and that's by Mia Kobe. It is one of the most banned books out there. I was reading about that. Yeah. Now, this is, is this a graphic novel? Yes, it's a okay. graphic novel. And so I, I, feel like that's going to bring a whole new dimension of beyond the book. We're taking this topic and taking it into a visual more than just written words. And then with beyond the book, we do we try to bring in cultural things around food or around artwork or music related to the topics that we're covering. We're hoping to get a partnership in Lansing to bring Ibram Kendi to Lansing Community College in the spring of 23, either virtually or in person, to talk about things. And my goal is to have artwork and other pieces from students to show and be a part of that conversation. That's wonderful. I mean, that the one of the great values of of doing uh, a one book and beyond the book here on campus is the way that it can be folded in and expanded upon within the classroom. Faculty who have an opportunity, they I, I always love seeing how faculty make use of a particular book. I mean, sometimes it just aligns with what they're already teaching, yeah. but sometimes they'll find a way to incorporate it. I remember a few years ago, uh, one of the, it was the first year that we moved to Beyond the Book, and one of the books was uh, The Good Death from Here to Eternity, mm -hmm. Traveling the World to Find the Good Death, which is really an exploration of how cultures around the world uh, prepare what their death customs are. Right. And there was a class in the spring semester that Candy McEwen in psychology teaches about uh, death and dying. Yeah. And so for most of the, the discussion sessions, her students were participa participants yeah. in it, and they shared projects, and it was... I mean, for me, as a facilitator, it was incredibly enlightening to be there, hear the research that they were doing, and then also to see their responses to 
oh, I didn't know this. I had no idea. Why are we different? And to me, that's one of the beautiful things that these books and that so many of these books have in common is that it's sharing with us different perspectives and giving us a chance to say, is that different? How different is that? Maybe that's not so different. Maybe what's different is just this one piece of it, but not, you know, when you dig down deeper, there's exactly. a lot more similarity. Exactly. And, and I think by having it move into the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, that was one of the 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 ways that that conversation could be deepened and brought out. Absolutely. And it really is something for the students and the community to engage with and talk about and see from their point of views and see what lenses they have when they're viewing these different topics and different books. And so it's really been just a great opportunity to connect with individuals who maybe have never stepped into the Office of Diversity or Inclusion or in as students, you know, in the classroom, have this opportunity to see that your classwork doesn't stop once you've taken your final exam. You're going to carry that idea like Linda has from reading one of the books further into your life and it will show up again and provide you resources. Absolutely. So that's a great segue to you, Linda, and and your experience. Do you remember what year that was? I'm thinking it was like... 2014-15. 2014-15. Okay, excellent. And and that wasn't the first one book that the college did, was it? Okay, I know we had done outliers at one point tomato land i don't remember the exact order in which those yep tomato land was right after that okay um the shared experience of reading a book with other people who are reading it at the same time and being able to talk about that book together and kind of being in the same place i think has really resonated with me and i think that helps carry it along with you for your lifetime so obviously since it's been almost 10 years, seven years, seven, eight years since, since that, that Absolutely. book was read. And the book, I just want to introduce it, the, the book, uh, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, uh, the author is Rebecca Skloot. And I'm going to read just the, the quick summary that's on the back for folks that may not be familiar with it. Uh, it says, her name was Henrietta Lacks, but scientists know her as Hala. She was a poor black tobacco farmer who sells taken without her knowledge in 1951, became one of the most important tools in medicine, vital for developing the polio vaccine, cloning, gene mapping, and more. Henrietta's cells have been bought and sold by the billions, yet she remains virtually unknown, and her family can't afford health insurance. This phenomenal New York Times bestseller tells a riveting story of the collision between ethics, race, and medicine, of scientific discovery and faith healing, and of a daughter consumed with questions about the mother she never knew. And this book really, it it delves into, uh, I mean, incredible contribution that was made unbeknownst to her, but deeply, deep ethical issues of deeply problematic ethically for not having told this person that, you know, sign this release and maybe sign this release, but at least informing them. I mean, I feel like we would all be informed or want to be informed whether or not we chose to share that. Um, And this this book really explores that um, 
and it's it's interesting because there's a there's a the author does try and I think my perspective balance between the science and the uh, personal tragedy and the ethical questions that are in some ways still unanswered. And Linda, do you remember when when we read this? I be, I I was looking back and it seemed like we were hoping to have an event with her family attending, which I wasn't able to attend. Do you recall if that took place? I did, I do believe it did. I did not attend. Okay. I went to a smaller subset of a, a meeting and they had a photo of his her cell and it was just amazing and captivating. And that's what I really remember just seeing her cell. And you were talking about the book and what I found really interesting was that you have to have a lot of things align in order for a cell to be able to be replicated mm-hmm. in, in a lab. But if you look back, she happened to be by John Hopkins, where there was somebody who was really interested in cancer and the specific kind of cancer that she had. She happened to be sick at that time. Her cells happened to have been cultured at that time. And the people who were involved in the cell work they were just eager for any kind of cells to work with, and they would go if they found out there were cells around. And there was a woman who was specialized in cleaning and sterilizing, and they created all these things. Anybody else doing this may never have, have been able to make the cell live. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting that all these things had to fall into place, and, and that part to me is really amazing. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I thought about that was because you contacted me and said, tell me more about this display. And I yeah. thought, how how crazy is this? Because it was my experience at LCC. It was because of the one book, that shared experience going on in my career and being able to bring this to a different community. So that's just been really fascinating for me. Yes, yes. And and I I love that about the experience of, of this book for you. And so... Tell us a little bit about the the project that that uh, unfolded and and what were people's react like what was your initial idea of it's it's this is for the new McLaren uh, health center um, and specifically it's in the cancer center correct correct uh, and that is just it all just opened this past spring right correct okay so building a new hospital is quite an endeavor and they were really great because they wanted to know about the spaces and how we were going to use them from everybody whether it was the community or the nurses who used that room we talked about even where the plugs were going to be located so i was able to participate on the art committee and we reviewed all the art arts very important in healing we Mm -hmm. talked about all the different spaces and they said we just don't have anything for the cancer center yet and then I brought up the idea of Henrietta Lacks, and a lot of people didn't know her story. Mm-hmm. So I shared her story, and they're like, wow, this is quite amazing. So our design firm, Pace & Howe, which is located here in Lansing, ran with that with another company called Image360 here in Michigan, and they created a three-panel display of Henrietta Lacks. And it, it displays her cells, it displays her timeline and her history, and it's an educational piece. And there's a picture of her as well. There is a picture of her. And uh, when you talk about the impact that it's had, I had no idea at the time what it was going to do. Um, We were preparing to open the new hospital. A gentleman was there working, and he's talking to his coworker. He's like, did you see the display down the hallway? You have to see it. It's all about Henrietta Lacks. Do you know who she is? Oh, you don't know who she is? 
I'll take you down there. And he further explained to me that he gets so excited about the display awesome. that he reads the timeline to people because they can't read it fast enough. And he's so excited <laughs> to share that story and to make sure people know about all of her contributions. That's, and, and what is his position? He's an IT. What's an IT? Uh, information technology. Okay. He was helping us with installing our computers, and he just happened to be in the building and saw that space and was just really taken by it and took people down there to show them the display. That's that's tremendous. Yeah, that's and and so tell us a little bit. At, so our listen, listeners can can kind of picture it, and also I should say, McLaren. Anybody can go and. I mean, you don't wander through the halls of a hospital freely, but the cancer center, those main halls, I think, are open. They but are. Have you been there, Laura? I have not been there yet. Okay. It, yeah. It's really an amazing space. So the first part of the hallway, you'll see a timeline, which talks a little bit about her history and then how the cells were um, replicated and what they've done through to today. And then you turn the corner, and there's another display, which pictures uh, her cells that are colored, which are amazing, and I have a, a message of thankfulness to her. And then the next display, it kind of looks like a periodic table um, display of her name, of the cell, Gila. And then it has little vignettes of her cell behind it. Hmm. So it's it's wow. really a, a wonderful piece to go and see. And it's done on a, uh, I think it's a sort of metal material. It's multimedium. Multimedium. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 quite substantial. I, it, I was thinking, boy, you could have like a little library with these books there. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like then it. people could delve in further and really, yeah, yeah, with our... LCC bookmarks, no. but but yeah, I, it it the 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 thirst for knowledge and the so many fascinating stories. I mean, for this a book like this, and I think all it seems to me one thing that almost all the books have in common is that they can they hit on a lot of different levels. Laura, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely, absolutely. So every book that is chosen really tries to encompass all four of our themes so that we're looking at gender, we're looking at race, we're looking at global experiences related to it. And in doing so, we then can have people really crack open a new world to themselves in a way that, you know, I identify in the LGBTQ plus community and so many individuals who are uh, heterosexual say, well, I I understand kind of, but I don't. And so having stories, right? Storytelling is the way to bring everyone into the experience so there is that more tangible understanding of it. And then to have it represented by art like you're doing, that's amazing, Linda. I can't wait to get over there and check it out. So, yeah. and that that is one of the many parts to me that are the reason it moved from one book to be on the book so that we can see that it's not the story itself, but there's these timelines and then her family can't afford health care today. Come on now. Yeah. Right. What right. inequities are there? And then that opens a whole nother kind of conversation. And why can't they and what causes that for them? So to me, any story has so many levels to it. It's not just, a, oh, this is this individual, and once you're done, you'll step outside. It's this is this story, and think about how it applies to you or people you know, and in the future, how can you bring that in? And so 
really good opportunities for interdisciplinary classroom work. When I think about, I think about a book like this where race and gender uh, absolutely could be those um, ways into it as well as her specific story, but also science and human services. Mm -hmm. And so the, the opportunity for, for us here at LCC with uh, Center for Engaged Inclusion, but also for the faculty to, you know, see how can that, that can really help advance critical thinking. I mean, you don't have to say we now have a lesson on critical thinking, which everybody's <laughs> going to like snooze, but, but just like the, the fellow who w- responded and was so excited, Linda, at McLaren, you know, that, that again, the, the, the spark that, that, you know, sort of quenches a bit of thirst for knowledge um, is really, really powerful with a book. One of the things that I've seen um, just in the, the, the time that, that we've been doing a, a community read here at LCC, most of the books for quite a while were um, nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And then we, I think with The Hate You Give, that was the first fiction book. Yeah. And that really, really, really captivated the student population and we'd planned and had the author um scheduled to come in and speak and uh angie thomas and unfortunately that that didn't happen um but uh you were saying laura that that you're hoping that there can be a way for ibram kendi to to come in so you're looking to build community partnerships to to make that happen and because Ibram's book talks about intersectionality in a way, and intersectionality is everybody has it. It's all the uniqueness about you. It's um, what religion do you go to? What is your favorite kind of ice cream? What is your favorite tacos if you like tacos, right? All of these different layers. You know, there's a high level that you can say, well, it identifies these certain characteristics. But no, I take it down to if you're identical twins, you're still separate and have differences because of your intersectionality. And so Ibram's book goes category by category, gender, um, talking about the difference between individuals who are black or African-American from the United States and how they treat individuals from around the globe Hmm. who come in and identify as black, but from other countries. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's still racial tension there and the issues around colorism. And that's what both of the books this year that we're doing as community reads really do. They're not single topic. Audre Lorde said there's no single issue in diversity. And so that's to me what books I look to represent for Beyond the Book. And it's community feedback. We have a a website in Beyond the Book at LCC where people can submit their suggested readings. I'm getting a lot of poetry suggestions, so Mm. I bet 2324 is going to include a poetry book. Nice. So just really what do people want? What maybe aren't they experiencing? And how do we keep it at a level that is digestible by everyone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are... Those are good goals, and and it's it is continually uh, evolving. Yes, you know the the activities that that are related to the book can really, really help uh, people absorb and learn and and be open. And you mentioned Linda, the small group that you participated in uh, 
the Henrietta Lacks book. Do you recall any of the other uh, with Tomato Land? Any of the the activities? I remember we had um, we did have speakers in. Um, we had big presentations in Dart um, about farming, and our Health and Human Services was involved in that. Mm-hmm. I found really drawn to the periodic discussions together just to talk about some of the topics that were uncovered and to share that time together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that you've continued, Laura, yeah. that to have sort of discussion sessions. Yep. And I know through the pandemic, we all jumped on, well, we didn't just jump. We kind of went, what are we doing? And <laughs> found our way uh, pretty impressively, actually, because it opens some makes things more accessible in some ways. I mean, in other ways, it limits access for yeah. people who don't have have the access. But uh, um, we were able to, to you know, have some really good discussions yes. that way. Um, besides the possibility of bringing in an author, <laughs> uh, do you have other specific things that you've got planned? Absolutely. So through the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, we have an Ideas in Cinema, and of course that's an acronym for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access. And we show a movie monthly, and we show it virtually. So people can, you know, come and take a part of it. Um, We do that in collaboration with what we're doing as a whole, kind of thematically, but not thematically. And, you know, beyond the book, we'll make certain to have movies that talk about gender and movies that talk about race and just really kind of pull it apart from a whole different venue. I also, depending on how our polydemics go, um, would really love to do cooking around, you know, the different cultures related, you know, gender, queer, the individual who wrote it uh, is comes from a very diverse area. And so talking about the cultures of how food is brought into socialization and how cookbooks are written for specific audiences and they're not digestible by other audiences, all kind of starts to build on each other just from looking at a graphic novel. That's I love that. I was just reading, this is just an aside, but speaking of cooking, I was reading an article that a friend shared, I think, was it The Walrus? A, a publication I wasn't familiar with, that might not be the name, but it was about somebody who was uh, in college learning to cook, taught themselves to cook, and somebody said, oh, that smells good, what is it, garlic? And then they saw the big jar of garlic that they'd scooped, and, and the cook was shamed, and um, it went on to talk about how um, what an ableist point of view that ultimately is. Yeah. I mean, and how there can be this whole haughty thing going on with food. So that's a. I mean, that may not tie in exactly with this book, but I'm just throwing that out there. That'd be a really interesting thing mm-hmm. to to explore. We just have a couple more minutes left, and um, so a question for each of you, Linda. I'm curious how. Uh, would you see community reads potentially having an impact again on McLaren health systems? Well, that's a complicated question. It is a complicated (laughs) question. And maybe it's as personal as, what book are you reading at LCC, Melissa? Can I join in? Sure. Well, the one thing that I've realized through our discussions about this is that, to be quite honest with you, 
I'm not a reader. So this was really a great opportunity for me. Like I felt welcomed into the reading community and reading the book. So I think in a way it's more about a methodology and the culture of reading and learning more. Um, so that's, that to me was really welcoming and inclusive for being a part of that experience and being able to have this particular book become a part of me. But I think you'll be able to do that with all the beyond the books. And if you really even expand to the great things that happen here at the college, there are so many great activities and meeting people and being a part of groups and having these shared experiences that so many people will carry with them when they go out into the world and do other things. That's so I think wonderful. Yeah, we you. see LCC everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, I do need to draw our conversation, our wonderful conversation to a close. So thank you both, Linda Toomey and Laura Orta, for joining me for this conversation. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to listen to this and other episodes of Galaxy Forum and all the LCC Connect programming. Visit lccconnect.org. Special thanks to Dedalian Lowry, LCC Connect technical producer, and to Andy Callis for composing our theme music. I'm Melissa Kaplan, and this is Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. Connecting you with Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's Business and Community Institute provides businesses with customized, synergistic trainings that realize logistical opportunity. Learn more about the future of business today at lcc.edu bci. To assist people struggling with addiction and to reduce drug demand, the Michigan State Police has joined with numerous police departments nationwide in the ANGEL program, a pre-arrest diversion program. The ANGEL program allows someone with a drug addiction to walk into a state police post in order to seek help for their addiction without the fear of arrest or investigation. All Michigan State Police posts are currently running the ANGEL program throughout the state and also have many local and county law enforcement partnerships in this initiative. To date, the ANGEL program has helped dozens of people who have presented themselves to the MSP or to another supporting law enforcement agency to start their short or long-term medical treatment plan. If you're interested in learning more about this program, either as a recipient or as a volunteer, you can find out more by calling 517-284-3208. That's 517-284-3208. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College has been a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship since 2016. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason Public School students. These selected students are chosen by the Mason Public Schools at the end of the fifth grade and then become a Mason Promise Scholarship through an induction ceremony. Over the course of the next six years, these students receive mentoring and support as well as introduction to career possibilities through the Pathway Program. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Amy Wagoner from the Historical Society of Michigan with a Michigan History Moment. In 1938, Michigan author Holling Clancy Holling watched a wood chip drifting on Lake Superior. It gave him an idea. 
that idea became one of the most beloved children's books in history. Howling was born in 1900 in Jackson County, Michigan. When he was 12 years old, his father bought him a notebook and encouraged his son to use it for original compositions and illustrations. Howling would thereafter fill notebooks with sketches and writings. Howling wanted to experience things firsthand, so while still a teenager, he worked for two summers as a crewman on a Great Lakes freighter. The ship's route took it through the Sioux Locks, across Lake Superior to Duluth, and then back down to Detroit. After graduating from high school, he enrolled at the Art Institute of Chicago. His education gave him technical expertise, but his life experiences gave him inspiration for a book. As a child, he had been fascinated by Native American lore and the outdoors. As a youth, he built his own canoe and paddled it around Pleasant Lake in Jackson County. While studying at the Art Institute, he canoed up Lake Michigan from Chicago to the Upper Peninsula. From there, he continued up the Whitefish River and portaged into Lake Superior, then followed the lake to a river that led to Nipigon, Ontario. In the late 1930s, Howling and his wife traveled around the country to gather ideas for children's books. Howling thought of a book about the Missouri River. Then, while fishing in Lake Superior, he saw that floating wood chip. A little while later, he met an Ojibwa woman selling birch bark baskets. Howling shared some Native American designs with her, and in gratitude, she gave him a carving of a Native American in a canoe. Howling's book idea changed. The story became that of a wooden Native American in a canoe carved by an Ojibwa boy from Ontario. The boy released his canoe into a river that carried it into Lake Superior. Like the book's author, the canoe sailed all over the Great Lakes. After many adventures, including surviving a forest fire and a plunge over Niagara Falls, it at last reached the Atlantic Ocean. The book, published in 1941, became a Caldecott honor book and it taught history, science, and geography. Howling filled his book with lavish color illustrations. It also included maps that allowed young readers to follow the canoe's progress through the Great Lakes. Howling's book remains in print today. The title, Paddle to the Sea. This Michigan History Moment was brought to you by MichiganHistoryMagazine.org. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College is proud to educate all those who want to learn. To make that education affordable for more students, the LCC Board of Trustees has voted to freeze tuition and mandatory fees for all students through the 2022 through 2023 academic year. To learn more, please visit lcc.edu and search admissions. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up, just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. 
Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right. Which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Lansing Community College is proud to present We're Better Than That, an anti-bigotry campaign. Embracing diversity is a continuing process, one that requires honesty, cooperation, and meaningful conversations. At Lansing Community College, we understand our journey towards inclusion and equity begins with an examination of how we relate to one another and a pledge to engage in the work necessary for meaningful progress to facilitate conversations and initiatives that will combat racism and hate speech in our college community. The Office of Diversity and Inclusion has partnered with the Office of Police and Public Safety to create We're Better Than That a comprehensive campaign to combat institutional bias and racism. To find out more about We're Better Than That, visit lcc.edu. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to The Success Scenario. I'm your host, Dustin Abrego. On The Success Scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students. People just like you, who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Today I'm joined with... Aaron Andrews. Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You're currently a student here at LCC. Um, why did you choose LCC? And yeah, we want to know a little about you. Okay, so uh, yeah, I... am uh, originally from Battle Creek, Michigan. I moved up here to Lansing probably about six years ago. Um, I decided that I had gone to college a little bit when I was uh, fresh out of high school, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do and didn't have any idea. And then at that time, being fresh out of high school and just kind of working my way through stuff, I didn't have the funds to really keep going. And without knowing what I wanted to do, I figured it was a waste of money until I figured out what I wanted to do. And then for, unfortunately, with the pandemic, we I was working the whole time, and so I was awarded the uh, Future for Frontliner Scholarship. And so I figured best time to go back would be now to take care, uh, take advantage of the scholarship. And so LCC was the closest school around. And I've heard it, my wife said it was a good school because that's where she went. And so I figured I'd apply and I got in. And uh, even though it's been 18 years since I've been in college, I still, it, I picked it back up pretty quick, pretty quick. So. Okay. So not your first time, right? Right. Big adaptation, though, I imagine, like, coming off of that. Because um, you weren't married 18 years ago when you were in school the first time. Like, um, what are you, do you work currently or what do you do outside of school then? Uh, yeah, I, I work for Meyer. I'm a meat cutter at Meyer, mm-hmm. uh, 40 hours a week, full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that. And then uh, I have all responsibilities that an adult has at home <laughs> with a, an actual house, you know, mm-hmm. keeping the lard up, or yard up and keeping the... Uh, all the, the bills paid and stuff. So how do you go about, um, balancing and like how many classes were you taking? Uh, I'm only doing 
part time right now because I didn't real I didn't know how hard it was going to be going mm-hmm. back to school and uh, working at the same time, especially with working a full time job. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to take two classes a semester, and I. Uh, it was a little scary and a little frustrating at first because mm-hmm. it's been so long since I've been back. And right. when I first started off coming back, it was uh, doing online classes, which is not something I was used to. Cause when I went to Kellogg community college down in battle Creek, it was, I was there on campus and I was doing three or four classes a semester. And so it was a, it was a big change and especially coming back to it after being out for so long. Yeah. I imagine that's quite an adjustment overall. Um, how'd you go about prioritizing like being a student and like suddenly doing that on top of working full time, you know, um, being a spouse, like doing all that stuff. How, how did you go about managing that? What worked best for you? Uh, well, first of all, one of the things that helped was the support of my wife. Hmm. She was definitely, she understood. She had been wanting me to go back to school for a while, wanted me to get a degree. Um, cause not that I don't like working at Meyer, but, and mm-hmm. if I end up, if I don't end up finding another career in my mm-hmm. life with my degree, cause I, I know that can happen to some people, sure. Meyer is a good place to retire from. It's, they have great health benefits and stuff. Mm-hmm. However, that's just not something I want to do for the rest of my life. Sure. I could do it cause it's, I have a trade skill, but it's not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it prioritizing it. Um, my wife was a, she's a good supporter and, I just kind of buckled down and I, I planned out on my days off that, you know, this is this for homework and studying. If I had to do stuff in between, I set up time after work. I have my own little kind of office slash man cave set up with my computer, a little work area. And I just, that's kind of where I keep all my schoolwork. And I just, I, I know I've always been kind of that person that I, I'm not gonna lie. I have been a procrastinator over the years. It's, Everybody has some form of procrastination in them, but when it comes down to certain things like this or things that I want, I buckle down and I I make sure to get this done because I realize that having a scholarship and to use it before it expires or to not lose it was a, a real advantage. And so I really want it and a privilege. And so I wanted to kind of make sure I took advantage of it and actually uh, make sure it was worth it. I mean, that's a huge level of honesty um, admitting being like, Hey, like kind of procrastinate. And I would definitely own, I'm also a procrastinator and that's quite all right. Um, you talked about separating, having the work study and having that thing so that way you can go into that room and kind of like really focus on doing work. Has that been like helpful for you as a student or like, how do you go about doing that? Cause it's not like you go in the room and you go, don't talk to me wife. Like I'm doing school stuff. Right. But like, how, how does that work? Cause I feel like a lot of people struggle with, I want to do this, but I'm also a parent. I'm also a spot. I'm also, I have all these other identity things going on. Like how, how did you go about navigating that? Well, the nice thing though, too, is that, um, my wife works from home right now because of mm-hmm. their, their job. They're still working people from home. Mm-hmm. And so before I even started going back to school, they, uh, we set up an office, upstairs for her excuse me and my uh my room is kind of like right next door our house is set up weird like it used to be it's a five bedroom house and Mm -hmm. it the the top floor used to be an apartment Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. the back of the house was kind of their living room and Mm -hmm. then it's a weird um like one of those folding closet doors and opens up into another room that used to be their kitchen and so we just kind of turned that into my wife's office because she likes that room and then the other room is kind of became my 
my office slash man cave slash game room. And so okay. it was, so I'm, I'm kind of, we're, when I'm doing my homework and studying in the middle of the day, she's working. And so we're kind of both in that vicinity. So mm. we can communicate when one of us isn't, you know, in the middle of a call or a class. And then, you know, we plan uh, lunches and snacks and stuff like that. And so it just kind of works out really well. And then if I have to do homework and she's downstairs watching TV, it's not a big deal because she knows that's what I'm doing. And I usually tell her, Hey, I have a quiz to take. It's a timed quiz. I only have an hour, so I'll be done in give me an hour and 15, you know, mm-hmm. get it all set up and ready. And so it, it's worked pretty well doing stuff like that. I love you. Don't talk to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no. cool. Um, what is something that you're proud of uh, as being a student, like something that you did that you were like, I didn't think I could ever do that or something you're like, I worked really hard on that. Uh, it doesn't have to be crazy major. I'm not saying you built a bridge or anything, but like, what is it for you? Uh, honestly, it's the fact that I have pulled a 4.0 GPA in both my semesters. I was not expecting to, especially this last semester, I had a math class and I'm not going to lie. I am horrible when it comes to math. Sure. I even failed an algebra class um, when I went to KCC. Yeah. And so I, math is my, by far my worst subject. And so the fact that I was able to come out of that class with an A, especially being online, because I am, it's, for me, it's, sometimes it's harder to learn online. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people that I like being in the classroom. I like the the direct interaction because if I, then I can actually ask the professor a question and like, hey, I don't understand this. Can you please just show me? And it's weird when it's online because sometimes you get drowned out or the teacher doesn't hear you and then she automatically moves on to the next sure. assignment. And so it's, I was I was proud of myself that I was able to kind of buckle down and make sure I was studying and focused on that and actually pull a good grade point average for both semesters. A good grade point average. You're going to well, call four point oh. Okay, okay. Uh, a and a fantastic, a fantastic. Yeah, because I actually list four point oh. Yeah, here, and I actually student. got the yep. I got the letter both semesters for the president's <laughs> list. So yes, four point oh. Well, I I normally when I was in high school and college, I was averaging like three point five between three point five three point sure. seven. So. Yeah, pulling a 4.0 for me it's it's awesome, but it's it's more awesome now I think because I'm coming back for after so yeah. long. Yeah, of so. course. I'm saying that not to mock you, but to congratulate you cuz that's a big success and that's the whole point of like me trying to talk to students on here is to figure out what's worked for them because your story is unique to who you are, but it's not so different than maybe some other people that are maybe going through that right now or debating what they want ultimately and being like, I have this great career at Meyer, like you're saying, but that's not me for forever. And yeah. you want to check out some other opportunities. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing what you know now, what would you tell first semester you? First semester Aaron that's like just getting back into it. Knowing now, what would you tell him? Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, well, first of all, don't wait till the last second to sign up for classes because that was kind of... <laughs> my issue well because i was so nervous to do it online and because that's been so long since i registered the first time i was i didn't know what i was doing i actually had to ask my sister-in-law for help because she was she had come back to school a semester before me um and so i guess just don't wait too long to register for classes try and not be nervous because it's even though it seems overwhelming it's the more you get into it and the more you just set up an actual schedule it's mm-hmm. the easier it gets because that's what I did. I, I once I was able to set up a schedule like when I wanted to do my work and and 
when I had other stuff that I had to do, it, it, it seemed a little bit easier. Cause I'm like, okay, I chart off these four hours of my day off to do this, 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 and this, and then get it done. And then, and it seemed mm-hmm. to help out a lot for people that maybe think about plotting out their time like that. And like, Oh, I'm not that type a person. I'm not that regimented with certain things. Um, do you view yourself as being kind of like that? And do you view that as like challenging? Cause you talked about it in a positive way of like, Oh, plotting things out like this, like really helped me. Like, is that something you'd recommend to people then? Or? I mean, if that's something that it, if it works for you, like mm-hmm. if you're someone who has a set, cause I think the, the thing that helps too is that like where, uh, at Meyer, I have a set schedule. I have been sure. have for a while because I'm, um, the, actually I'm the top, your meat cutter at Meyer or the one I work at. So because of that, I have a set schedule, so it doesn't usually change from week to week unless someone's Mm -hmm. on vacation. And so I think that's part of the reason it helps is if you find your own set schedule that works for you, um, yeah, go for it. Cause it, it, uh, it helped me. I mean, I was able to set, I knew I was doing my homework on my days off unless something happened and there was a a quiz that was due on a Friday or something. And then I plan, okay, I know I'm going to need this much time, so I'll set aside this much time after I get out of work and make sure I'm studying, make sure I'm ready to go. And so it, I think it, everybody's different, and so I think it just depends on what your personality and if you if you like set schedules like that, if you're mm-hmm. used to it, I say go for it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the, I mean, set it up however the best, however it works for you. So Cool. Awesome. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to spring this on you. Okay. Talk to us about a project maybe you're working on that is, uh, like why, why are you here at LCC? You know that this path that you're on right now, like what are you aiming to work in? What's your dream goal job and stuff after being done here? Um, so it's, it's mainly sports broadcasting or okay. some form of broadcasting. Um, I really, I've, it, and it all stems back to back when I used to watch football on Sundays mm-hmm. with my dad, we would sit there and we'd watch the games and we would say something and not even three seconds later, the announcer would say the same thing. And it <laughs> happened so many times that we just started joking about, well, we would be better announcers than these guys because we're sure. saying it faster than what they are. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and so it, I just kind of got it into my head. Um, especially, uh, after my dad passed away in 2019, mm-hmm. um, it kind of, made me think, well, he would be proud of me if I became a sports broadcaster or a sports announcer. And so I, and I would love to be able to just do it for football. I could probably do it for any other sports. I'm not huge on some of the other sports. Like I don't watch basketball all the time. I don't watch baseball all the time. Football is my main sport. But Mm -hmm. I mean, if I had to sit there and talk about other sports, I could do it. It's not a big problem, but sports broadcasting or any kind of broadcasting, because I just, I've been told that I have a very, uh, can't think of the word it's uh the way my wife describes it is that I'm easy to listen to when I'm when I'm talking like this and even my sister-in-law sure. and some of my friends have because I do have I have started a podcast um to try and help just get a little experience and it's sure. nothing major okay. talking about football and sports and then I have a new kind of side show with that while in the off season where I was talking about horror themed uh, movies and books and TV shows and video games, just anything that was horror themed to, cause it's one of my hobbies. And so sure. I love that stuff and it just gives me something else to talk about when I don't have, you know, NFL content because there's nothing going on. Sure. And it was another way for me to get more experience. Um, 
so yeah, I like doing that. And then even uh, I've had a little bit of experience at Meyer recently within the last couple months. They've um, so when you do the announcements and do yeah. the pages over the phone, uh, my boss he at one point. I think it was last Christmas, he had said we had a whole bunch of hams that were getting ready to be close-dated soon. And so he's like, well, we need to push them before we, you know, before we lose them. Mm -hmm. So he goes, can you do it? I said, well, I'll try doing an announcement because I got used to doing the podcast. Yeah. I got on there and spoke clearly and I wrote my own little script and everybody Mm -hmm. in the store loved it. And so now it's a common thing when we need an item to push, I've... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm the guy that pushes stuff, especially in the meat department. And I've even, and the thing that they love is I've even come up with characters too. Oh my gosh, um, really? Yeah. So we, at one point we had to do, uh, we had a whole bunch of salmon burgers that he wanted to push because somebody, they, they come in frozen and they only get five days when they're thawed and sure. on the floor. Right. Well, somebody put out two whole cases. And so we had a whole oh, bunch wow. of them and they don't sell that well. So I was trying to think of the best way to push them. So I adapted the uh, the character Captain Bob, okay, who is a pirate and he likes to oh talk God. like right. so. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it was a, it was a pirate. And, all right, all right. And so uh, I did. I started coming up with other voices and stuff too to try and help sell stuff. And people in the store, customers in the store, love it. Um, yeah. I always get requests from other workers like are we gonna hear because one of my other good characters is scooter who's kind of a southern guy okay scooter. all right all right sure. and uh so they're like are we gonna hear scooter today or captain bob and i said well i don't have any items to push for it so i'm not really gonna make any <laughs> announcements but it's it's the one thing that people love and so uh so the podcast and the voices yeah i would love to do broadcasting and sure. at this point i'll even settle for um <laughs> Cartoon voice acting because because yeah, that would sure. be fun. I could I do voice yeah, all the time. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think just having the morale because people are asking you about it, which is great. Um, and then if you've we've all been in a store at some point, and then someone come over the speaker and they'll be like, uh, "The Chevy that's rah, 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 and you go, I, "Was that my car? Is it total?" Like well, you don't know when you hear it over the air. So you being able to speak clearly for people to understand, I think, is also huge. Well, yeah, well, that's the problem too is uh, because, so my actual team leader at, that I work with, he's deaf. Sure. He has hearing aids and um, there's times when he says if, when other people page, there's times he can't understand a single word that they say because they don't, they, they mumble or it sounds like they got the phone inserted all the way into their mouth. And so he really likes it when I do the announcements because I speak clearly, I speak, you know, slow enough that everybody can hear, but it's not slow enough to run talking like this, right, right. like Bueller. Right. Bue- and so it's, so I don't know, it works out in my favor and it's, for me, it's more practice. And I, the fact that customers seem to like and have come in asking, Hey, is, has Captain Bob done any announcements today? <laughs> or I've done it and I actually had customer compliments or like, I really like the guy doing those announcements. Cause that's awesome. It made me laugh. It made my day. It was funny. So, so not only do you speak clearly, for a person that's has challenges with hearing, you speak clearly in pirate for oh, yeah. people to understand. That's really great. Yes. Um, and your podcast is not like you're not looking for money or aspects. No, it's so, and, and even the website has asked me if I wanted to sign up for uh, to do the money thing. But no, it, it's it's just for experience. So, so for and I wanted to clarify that because we are in public radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can plug your podcast. What is your podcast? So uh, people are aware. It's called the butcher's cut. Uh, you can find it, it 
on the anchor, I guess anchor.com. It's a mm-hmm. website that I use, uh, for the actual podcast. Um, but, uh, I want to say app should be on it, Spotify. It's, too, it's, it's on Spotify. Right? And okay. then it is also notified me it's on, I think it's on Google podcasts and okay. even Apple podcasts. Okay. Cause there's a nice little stat there that shows you all the different listening stations cool. that it's on. And I believe those are on there too. So, okay. And what was the name again? It's called the butcher's cut. Awesome. So we'll have to check that out. You said that you're taking a little bit of break during the summer. A lot of a lot of news coming out for football and some other stuff, but yep. everyone deserves a summer break for sure. Yeah. Um, what would you tell others thinking about starting at college or maybe coming back at some point? Because um, there were a lot of key events that maybe led to when you wanted to start again and come back as being a student. Um, what would you tell other people other than just doing it? Because for a while, someone maybe told you that or you had those thoughts, but what would you tell someone to be like, Hey, if you're really thinking about it, like this might be like a thing for you or whatnot. What was that for you? Maybe. Um, so I say if, if you get the opportunity, if it's something that you want to do and it's really for me, I think the, the kick in the butt for me was getting that scholarship. Cause it was nice. Cause I had looked in the past at, you know, and some people's financials are not great. And, mm-hmm. and I understand that. And it, it, that's one of the things that was really daunting for me is, Thinking about, well, I want to go back to school, but it costs a lot of money. And if I can't get any financial aid, then it, it's, you know, it's, it's really hurts. But even people out there that, um, that I, they don't get the scholarship. If you, I would just look at it and look into financial aid, just see if you can help, but, or to see if you can get any help. But, uh, yeah, I think the best thing to do is if you, if it's something that you really want, if you're unhappy with what you're doing and you find, would think that you would find that there's something else out there that you can get a degree in that would help you with what you want to do. I'd say go for it. Cause it's, it's, I've, even though it was nerve wracking coming back and I was nervous, I am happy that I've come back. I'm happy that I'm, I'm working towards my degree and like trying different stuff out. Cause Hey, this is the first time I've ever been in a radio station. So that's, <laughs> that's a cool new experience for me. And yeah. so, and this, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't come back right. to school. So, right. and you're looking and you're moving towards something where you're picking what you want to do versus just choosing what's right in front of you because you have instant meat and doing the thing that you ultimately want to do that you're excited about. Right. Yes. Moving forward. Um, anything else you want to leave people with, um, things people should be aware of, or you think that, um, something impactful or, um, I think one of the, one of the other things too is that, it was really daunting for me coming back to because I knew that I was going to be a little bit older than most sure. of my classmates. But I mean, in all reality, in all reality, it is a community college. So there are people and, you know, I go into my other classes and there, there are guys and there are women in there that are my age or older. And so that felt a little, it felt okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I always felt like I had to try and be someone else to coming into college or coming mm-hmm. back because I'm mm-hmm. not used to it. And especially with the kids that are younger than me now, I mean, they're, they were raised on so much of this technology and so much mm-hmm. other stuff that I wasn't, you know, that I didn't grow up on. And so, um, best thing to do is just try and be yourself and then just take everything in stride and just do the best that you can do. And cause it's, it's, in the end, it's all about what you want to do and what you're, yes. what you're trying to do to better yourself. Yes. So, Awesome.
Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the success scenario. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. The success scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. I'm Dustin Abrego, and if you're a current LCC student with a great story to share or know someone with a story to share, connect with me on Twitter or at LinkedIn at Dustin Abrego, A-B-R-E-G-O. Until next time, success starts with you.